0: Just a quick note, this is the most listened to episode in the history of this podcast, and it was originally aired in 2018 as episode 22. All right, welcome to another episode of Playing With Research in Health and Physical Education. Uh, Risso here with George Mason University. Um, today, uh, we have a special guest on to kind of explain to us a little bit about the Australian uh, physical education curriculum. Um, things are obviously done in different ways in a lot of different places, and I think Australia has done a, a really good job with their curriculum in general. So, uh, Dr. Laura Alfrey is here today to kind of give us an overview, uh, which is going to get linked to our next episode, uh, which is about uh, a Paper that got published in Physical Education and Sport Pedagogy. So, in order for us to kind of give a brief understanding of the curriculum, uh, we'll have Dr. Alfrey here um, give an explanation. Uh,
1: thanks, Risto. Um, before we start, it's probably useful to state that whilst there is um, this amazing Australian curriculum, each state and territory has made it their own, and we enact state and territory based versions of the Australian curriculum, um, depending on where we live and work. So uh, I'm currently in Victoria, um, so that's that's the, uh, the version of the curriculum that I'll be talking to um, today. Um, so the Australian curriculum, just in terms of context beyond health and physical education, um, is described as a three-dimensional curriculum that recognises um, The three key dimensions, which is firstly, disciplinary knowledge, uh, skills and understanding, which is where health and physical education sits under that banner. Um, Second dimension is general capabilities, um, of which there are seven, and include literacy, numeracy, um, critical and creative thinking, intercultural understanding, for example. Uh, And then the third dimension is uh, cross-curriculum priorities. uh, And there are three of those, which include sustainability, Um, Asia and Australia's engagement with Asia, and then thirdly, uh, and really importantly, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander histories and cultures. Um, Drawing focus to the health and physical education curriculum, um, and I speak as someone who lives in the state of Victoria, as I said, um, it's characterised by two main strands, each with three substrands. So the first main strand is personal and social and community health. Um, And the three sub strands that sit under that banner are being healthy, safe and active, communicating and interacting for health and well-being and contributing to health and active communities. Uh, The second main strand is movement and physical activity Um, and uh, subsumed within that are the three sub strands of learning through movement, Understanding movement and moving our body. Um, in an attempt to have a broad and balanced curriculum, there are also 12 focus areas um, or contexts for learning, um, we might call them, um, and these must be taught across every band of learning. Um, a band being two years or grade levels. Um, so focus areas um, include, for example, food and nutrition, health benefits of physical activity, games and sports, lifelong physical activities. And this stipulation, I think, is really vital. and It's a huge step forward in terms of curriculum. Um, if we have any chance of disturbing the tendency to reduce what should be a broad and balanced health and physical education curriculum to a narrow focus on competitive team games, which we know from research um, is an ongoing issue. I digress, Um, so there's lots of great things about the Australian curriculum for health and physical education, but one of the most exciting for me are the five propositions or the key ideas as they are sometimes called. The intention is that the propositions inform pedagogy um, and until now curriculum has only focused on what to teach not how to teach it, um, which is why I think it's quite exciting. Um, The propositions that the curriculum encourages to draw upon um, when planning and teaching our HPE programmes are as follows. The first one is focus on educative purposes. Um, Although the curriculum may contribute to a range of goals that sit beyond its educative purpose or purposes, um, the priority for a health and physical education curriculum is to provide ongoing, developmentally appropriate and explicit and planned learning about health and movement. Um, You might think that should go without saying, um, but that's another podcast, I think. Um, the second proposition is take a strengths-based approach. And this links to your podcaster with Mikhail at the end of last year. Um, rather than focusing on uh, potential health risks or a deficit-based model of health, you will get fat, you will get an STI, you will die. This proposition urges us to acknowledge that all students and their communities have particular strengths and resources, and that they can be nurtured to improve personal, social and community health, um, as well as physical activity. Importantly, the curriculum um, simultaneously prompts us to recognize that students have varying levels of access to resources, both personal and community, and that a one-size approach in any context will rarely be effective, either in terms of health, physical activity promotion, or education and learning.
0: Yeah, and sorry to jump in here and interrupt you, but I, I think that that is one of the great things about that the curriculum that it does take that strengths based approach and, you know, mikhail's uh, paper was about what he kind of hopes that health and physical education will become and this is what's happening. And I know that in the US specifically we talk about you know, individuals talk about taking a strengths based approach in a lot of things, but it's not Definitely not written down as one of the five main propositions in our curriculum. So, just as a side commentary here, I, I love that it's, yeah, it's kind of a visionary thing that's coming together and actually being implemented somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as you would know from talking to Mikhail, who's um, very knowledgeable in this area, salutogenesis um which has uh, many overlaps with strengths-based approaches um is historically rooted and it's been around for a long time but it's really starting to get some traction now which is really exciting um obviously we know the dangers of you know policy slippage and just because it's in the curriculum it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to play out but what i've seen at least anecdotally um here in melbourne is um for the first time i'm seeing teachers approach me uh, and the royal me, you know, academics, pe- my colleagues, um, and they're asking, you know, what is this? How do we put it into practice? And um, and so that's really exciting. Not only that it exists, but that teachers are um, excited about it, some teachers. Uh, OK, so that was the second proposition. The third one is value movement. Um, health and phys ed promotes an appreciation, obviously, um, of how movement in all its forms is central to daily life. And what this curriculum does, I think, um, in highlighting this notion of valuing movement is it prompts us to look beyond movement as performance, which is an important component of any health and physical education program, but it shouldn't be the only kind of movement that kids are exposed to, in my view. Um, And yeah, it pushes us towards rhythmic and expressive movement, movement for joy and for its own sake. so that's, um, that's the third proposition. The fourth one um, is develop health literacy. Um, health literacy can be understood as um, an individual's ability to access, understand and use health information and services, um, ideally in ways that promote and maintain uh, health and well-being of themselves and others. Um, it draws heavily on Nutbeam's three levels of health literacy, um, those being functional, interactive and critical. Um, and there is lots of potential here um, for overlap with critical inquiry, which I'll talk about next. Um, and if you're looking for a neat example of what um, health literacy might look like in practice, and um, then have a look at Louise McQuaig's work from the University of Queensland, she's done some great stuff. Uh, and also the, um, the podcast which links to this mini cast um, will also provide an, an example of what that could look like in practice. Um, The fifth and final proposition uh, and the one that took centre stage in our paper is include a critical inquiry approach Um, as the Australian Curriculum for Health and Phys Ed espouses um, expects us to engage students in critical inquiry processes that um, assist them in researching, analysing, applying, appraising knowledge um, in health and movement fields. And in doing so the intention is that students will critically analyze evaluate contextual factors that influence their decision making and the decision making of others as well as behaviors and actions around health and movement Um, whilst also exploring issues such as inclusion uh, power inequality uh, assumptions and discourses they don't use the word discourses i did Um, diversity and social justice so if the propositions and i've presented the five there uh, focus on educative purposes take a strengths-based approach value movement develop health literacy and include a critically inquiry approach if those five are mobilized as intended um, and we know for that to happen many stars need to align um, then I, it's got the potential to do some really great work um, in terms of encouraging teachers and students to focus on education as well as the physical um, and by the nature of critical inquiry approaches as one example, um, it's impossible to enact those without moving towards student-centered approaches, um, which we know in, in are fruitful in many ways. Um, yeah, and
0: I, so, sorry. And I think that those are really lofty goals, right? You know, Covering the, the critical inquiry, covering social justice and using a strength-based approach, talking about health literacy, um, how do you see this curriculum in general being played out in just a regular school just like a random school in uh in Australia is it is it being enacted or are like two out of the five or four out of the five parts being enacted in most schools
1: um i i can't talk for most schools i tend to work with a cluster of schools really closely um if I am to look historically and perhaps pessimistically, you could argue there's a good chance of a great degree of slippage here, um, in that there is such a degree of separation between current practices and um, expected practices that some teachers might be jarred by that. Um, that said, um and as I said, I can only talk anecdotally here. I'm working with some amazing schools, one in particular, um, and it reflects what I said earlier around this excitement circulating around this curriculum. Um, and I, yeah, I can't talk for all schools and all teachers, but the ones I am working with are, tr- are trying really hard to embed these five propositions um, in in their planning. And these five—it's not expected that these five propositions are used every lesson, or indeed in every unit of work. Um, but it is expected that across across a whole scope and so on, our whole health and physical education program, and um, that we begin to see these um, alternative, in in quotes, uh, approaches, to become more frequent in health and physical education.
0: And what about in teacher education programs? Uh, how has this been? Uh, adopted by teacher education programs in uh, Australia in general? Open arms, gung-ho, like let's do it, or uh, are there programs that are so a little hesitant on it or are they, you know, all hands on deck kind of implementation on it?
1: I would say the ways in which um, Australian institutions have um, looked at this Um, new curriculum is probably quite representative of of the teaching population in that, you know, all teacher educations are different. We have different biographies and philosophies, ways of understanding what health and physical education is and should be. And um, some, I think, have adopted it with Gusto and it's embedded across their whole programs and it's a real strong feature. Um, Others, I'd say, would probably um, have been a little bit more resistant um, and that's not necessarily because they don't think it's um, a positive move forward. But I know in talking to both other teacher educators and teachers, um, the willingness is not is not absent. What's absent is the tools to be able to enact these propositions. Um And that's what we've been doing, so myself and some colleagues here at Monash, um, Karen Lambert, Justin O'Connor, and Professor Dawn Penny, um, who's now at ECU. Um, We've been doing a lot of work in this space. We've been working with pre-service teachers and teacher educators to develop resources um, to help teachers and teacher educators enact these propositions. So um, if you go to um, Monash Education on Facebook and scroll down and look for something typically health and phys ed-ish, there's some videos, that um, one for each proposition, which highlights what it could look like in practice. And we've had really great feedback on that. Uh, we also developed um, a resource that just called the Proposition Cards, and there's five cards in a little cardboard packet. And um, they've been, we've been handing those out to our students as well as um, teachers that we do professional development with and teachers we work with. And the, uh, the feedback we've got um, is that they've been really useful in planning. So each card articulates the proposition, key questions that you would ask when working through the planning process. Um, yeah and we've, we've had some good feedback from that so we're in that space now of early mobilization and enactment and um, the things I'm talking about now are very limited to the kind of things that we'll talk about in the main podcast but it's that process of policy enactment which is messy and contradictory and we all need multiple layers of structural support to help us um, enact the vision
0: Right. And I think that's a great transition because the the paper does talk about that enactment of policy and specifically into critical inquiry. And it does speak from the viewpoint of um, three teachers that actually tried to enact part of this. So um, I appreciate the time on this. Um, So we'll kind of wrap this up and then Basically, if you listen to this podcast before you get into the paper or vice versa, it's just giving you a little bit more depth into the Australian curriculum, and I uh, thank you very much for sharing your uh, expertise on this. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, Our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching, so you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching you're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas so if you're interested you can email me look me up on twitter or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that i've made